When Jesus comes on the scene in one of the Gospels in, in, in Mark, the very first chapter, and, and he starts his public ministry, we see him gathering people to help with his ministry. We see him gathering these young men. And he goes to men, these young men who have not been picked first for anything in their lives. And that gives me great comfort. And these guys, that for, for whatever reason, were, were cut from, from Hebrew school. So back in the time of Jesus, everybody started out in Hebrew school. And only the top of their class, only the ones that did really, really well, got to continue through Hebrew school. And, and eventually became the religious rulers, the religious experts of the day. That was not these guys. They didn't make it. They were back in the family trade. And so in Mark, we see Jesus coming up to these guys, and they were fishermen. And initially, we think Jesus comes and he says, hey, follow me, and I'm going to make you something. And initially, when we, when we hear that, we're like, oh, it's Jesus. He's going to make them, like, super spiritual. He's going to make them better husbands. He's going to make them better fathers or, or, or a better wife or a better, he think, we think Jesus is going to make us something better when he says, come follow me. But that's not what he says. He uses language that they understand. And he said, come, follow me, Mark 1, 17. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you how to have an impact on the life of another person, an eternal impact. Because, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, when it comes to your purpose here on earth, why, 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 why you are here, the reason is this. This is your mission if you are a Christ follower. This is the whole thing. This is it. Who are you sharing the good news with? And, and are you doing it in a way that has a maximum impact on their life? Right? You're not, not using language that they don't understand, but coming to them and, and, and meeting them right where they are. Not being a weirdo. Just don't be weird. Okay? Because people are just looking and seeing. It's like, hey, your life is your message. How you live your life is your message. It's part of how you share. It's one way you share, but it's your whole life. It's all of you. And people are looking at you and watching the way you live to see if it really works. Not that you have the perfect life. Not that you have the whole Bible memorized. But if you say you are living your life a certain way, if you're following the way, if you're following Jesus, does this really work? Because it is hard out here for a person. <laughs> and then we see Jesus says the same thing at the end of Mark. He bookends this gospel saying the same thing. He says, Jesus said to his followers, Mark 16, 15, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Not some people, everybody, because it's for everyone. And the beautiful thing about this, and Jesus shows us this, that life change does not happen in an informational exchange. Transformation, life happens in relationship. It's a relational setting where transformation is possible. Think about if you are a follower of Christ, think about the time when, when you opened your life 
up to Christ. Go ahead, just think about it right now. You probably don't remember the message that was, that was preached that day, but you remember the person who prayed with you or prayed for you or took you to church or invited you to church initially. You, you remember the person. For me, it was a va vacation Bible school teacher when I was 12 years old. And for those of you not from the South, I'm going to explain to you what vacation Bible school is. <laughs> Basically, it's a week-long sugar fest with, like, arts and crafts and Jesus thrown in. It's a wild, crazy, amazing time. So the summer after my sixth grade year, uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember, but I only made it to the last day of this particular vacation Bible school. And I, and I, I got there, and, and one of the, the workers, one of the, the volunteers, pulled me inside and said, hey, Cody, um, I just wanted to ask you, where are you with God? Uh, where is your relationship with God? H have you thought about opening your life up to Jesus? And I, I'm so thankful I had parents, I grew up in the church, but, and I had parents that let me come to that decision on my own. It was in that moment uh, that that volunteer helped me assess my life, you know, all, all 12 years of it. And, but my parents could, could attest there was a lot of hell that still needed to be worked out. And so assessing that, I went home, and I, I talked to my folks, and, and, and we prayed together, and, and I received Jesus that day, all because one volunteer took me aside and sp spent time with me and, and saw me and, and was kind to me. Romans 1.16, for I am not the least bit embarrassed about the gospel. I won't shy away from it because it is God's power to save every person who believes, first the Jew and then the non-Jew. That's just, that was just elaborating, means everybody. Everybody. And so what is it? What is this gospel? If we're going to talk about it and we believe in it and we, and we love this good news, what is it actually? What is it really? What is the good news? What is the gospel, the story of God? Well, the gospel story begins and ends with a loving father bringing his creation back to himself. And deep down, we all know this to be true. We, we all know that we are not ultimate, right? We all know that we are finite beings, or most of us know that. I definitely know that. So. I locked my keys in the car this morning, in the truck this morning. I am definitely not ultimate. <laughs> Get it together, Cody. And so we, we see this 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 perfect creator, creating a perfect world, F harmony, peace, wholeness. That is his creation. And he brings in humanity to this creation. And then things get jacked up. And instead of being under God's perfect authority, humanity rebels and says, I can do it my own way. I can do it on my own. I am like God. But we were never made to be God. We were made to worship and love and enjoy our creator, not ourselves. And so the fall happens and chaos and sin enter the world. Brokenness and pain enter the world. And we see that sin is not primarily an action. 
It's a disposition. It's a soul aversion to God. It's a distancing of ourselves saying we know best. And there are two drastic consequences when it comes to sin. First of all, it shackles us. We are in bondage to sin. When we turn from God, we turn to other things to find significance and meaning and identity. And because sin can never satisfy a place that only a creator can, we continually look for bigger and faster and better. And it's a cycle that does not end and never satisfies. And the other consequence is condemnation. Sin brings condemnation on our life. We are guilty because of sin. Luckily, thankfully, every good story has a hero. And the hero of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Humanity needs a savior. They need a redeemer. We need a deliverer because of our sin and the condemnation that it has over us. But here's the thing. The price of sin is so high. Someone has to die for it. And so we need a substitute to pay for the wages of sin because they are death. And Jesus enters the story and he goes to a cross and he dies a horrific death and he becomes our substitute. And he pays the price for our sin. But the story doesn't end there. Because three days later, he comes back to life. The only person ever to die to come back to life. And because he does that, we can have faith in, that he, in him because he defeated death and sin and hell by being resurrected. Again, I just got real southern right there. Hell. And in Jesus' resurrection, we get a glimpse of God restoring his creation back to its original intent. Uh, restoring it back to the peace and the wholeness and the justice that once, what once was. And then we know God tells us and promises that Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to judge sin and he's, he will restore all creation back to its original intent. And that, and that at this time, Right now, that's where we enter the story. Because God is drawing a people to himself of every tribe, every tongue, every nation who believe and hear the good news. And we get to be a part of creation returning to its wholeness. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Last week, I, I stepped on a subway and a young, very, very passionate young man was preaching the good news at the top of his lungs with a Bible in his hand, standing in the middle of the, sub, of, of the subway car, uh, just letting us have it, man. Letting us have it. Telling how sinful we were, how far from God we were, how we needed to repent. And everything he said was true. But it was the way he was sharing the good news. No one would make eye contact. No one wanted to engage because who knows what could have happened. <laughs> Thinking back and looking back, I, I, I wish I would have engaged him. Just ask him some questions like, hey, 
like, who told you this was a good idea? You know, like, as far as a sharing the good news strategy, effectiveness is not really high on this, this strategy. Like, no one's looking at you, bro. And babies are crying. But everything you're saying is true. But there's no relationship. There's no love. There's no room for the other person. What are some of the adjectives that come to your mind when you think about an experience like this? Or maybe you've had your own experience with someone with a bullhorn, screaming at the veins popping out of their neck, and you're like, bro, is that the good news or are you having an embolism? Like, are you okay? Do you need some water? Or oxygen? Some adjectives I think about are off-putting or obnoxious or distancing, or othering. Now I want, to, I want you to think about the person who is most responsible for you coming to know Christ, for you opening your life up to Christ. What adjectives would describe this person? I think of caring, warm, kind, wants the best for you, open. Acts 1 through 8 says, this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and to the ends of the earth. And there are a couple of roles at play in the courtroom. There's the judge, who we are not. There's the prosecutor, who is, whose whole job is to make it, bring a case against the person um, being prosecuted and like, hey, this is all the things you did wrong all the things you did wrong, and I'm going to prove how wrong you are. And then we have the defense team, who their whole job is to prove how not wrong they are, their client. And then we have the witness. And the witness's sole responsibility in the courtroom is to share their side of the story. So we look at Acts 1-8, and we see, you will be my witnesses. Your sole responsibility is to share your side of the story, how you fit into the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's my side. I grew up in a small Texas farm town, and it was the belt buckle of the Bible belt. So Friday Night Lights, that was my childhood, minus the football part, because I didn't play football. So one season instead of five seasons. That was my life. <laughs> and because I grew up in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, church has always been a part of my life. My parents taught Sunday school. They still teach Sunday school to this day. But hundreds and hundreds of young lives have been impacted because of them. And, and we were there. We were at church most Sundays and Wednesdays. So that's how you do it in the South. Uh, and we were there, and we were Southern Baptist. So for me, what that meant when gr growing up is like we were smarter and better than the Methodists. <laughs> because we got out earlier than them, which meant we could get to the Tex-Mex restaurant faster and not have to wait in line. That's why we were better. <laughs> and 
And I was also a really quick study. I liked church, so I was a really quick study on what uh, a good Christian boy was supposed to look like and act like and talk like for the approval of adults. Uh, I was baptized when I was 12, like I said earlier, but, but it wasn't until I got to college that my relationship with Jesus really became my own. And I met a group of guys, um, and we became really, really close friends. And it was through the context of those friendships that I really experienced what it meant to be a true Christ follower. Because growing up, I I thought that a Christian, you weren't allowed to talk about the things that were holding you back. The the things that you were struggling with. It was literally just, hey, bro, pray for me. I'm struggling. (laughs) It helps nobody. Who does that help? And I I realized in the context of those friendships how much I had propped myself up on self-righteousness and pride and how much I had minimized my sin, lust specifically, because I thought you just didn't talk about it. But through those relationships, through those friendships, I found accountability. Through accountability, I found freedom. And through freedom, I found a direction towards wholeness. Transformation is never informational. It is always relational. And I think it's that truth that has led me to where I stand today, the the power of relationship to change somebody's life, the power of a story to change somebody's life. So that's my story. And the beautiful thing is we all have a story. And the powerful thing is that nobody can take your story away from you. Nobody can prove your story is not true because it's yours. It belongs to you. It's your encounter with Jesus, and that is one of our greatest tools for sharing the good news. Like, let me just tell you what God has done in my life. Let me show you how Jesus has changed me, and it's, it's pretty simple. You just write out your story. The Bible talks about working on sharing the good news, and so do put a little work into it. Think about what your life was like before Christ. Then think about the convergence point when you stepped over the line, when you opened your life to Christ. And then now what your life is like with Christ. That's your story. And it's easy to share and people want to hear that. Because when they hear that, they hear you. But even more importantly, when they hear that, they hear Jesus through you. And that it's working. And then he's working in your life. What was, what was your life like before Christ? What was the convergence point? And what has your life like been after Christ? Go home, go home today, write it out. Three to five minutes, that's, that's all you need. But 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5 says this, preach the word of God. And it's not talking about this, this preaching up here. It's talking about you, preach the word of God in your life as you are going in your day to day. Preach the word, be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Work at telling others the good news. Work at it, work at your story. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Gallup came out with a poll not too long ago, and it said that out of the 65 million people that will not go to church this Sunday, 34 million of those people would come if someone just invited them. 34 million people would go to church if somebody would just invite them. They're waiting on an invitation. And there's no getting around this. Right? It's like, oh, well, that, that might be for somebody else. But if you call yourself a follower of Christ, this is the end game. This is why you're here. Why would you keep the good news that has transformed your life to yourself? 
Guess when people are most willing to come to church? Easter. <laughs> Guess what's in three weeks? Guys, come on. I mean, this is really good timing. Three weeks in Easter. Start today. Start thinking about, start praying for, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Who could you invite to Easter to hear the good news that has changed your life? And they'll probably come with you because they like you. Here's the thing. People that were not like Jesus liked Jesus. They wanted to be around him. Can that be said for us? People that are not like us, do they like us? Who for thought? But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Romans 10, 14 through 15. Consider yourself sent. Share your story. Share your life. If not you, then who? Uh, in, my, in my study this week, I came across this scale. It's called the Ingalls scale. And, and I've reworked it just a little bit for our purposes and language today. Um, but this was really helpful as our interactions uh, around and conversations around this, this topic, specifically sharing the good news. It kind of helps us see where people are in their life. And so we're going to go through this, but something that I, I want us to be aware from the, from the get-go is that uh, so much of walking with people on this journey of faith is simply helping them discover that God is already at work in their life, right? Take, take the pressure off yourself. God is already at work in their lives. And when we look at this kind of scale, all you have to do, listen, you don't have to be a closer every time you sit down to coffee with somebody, all right? That's where the intimidation comes through, right? It's like, oh, man, I just spent an hour with that guy, and they, they're still not over the line. Like, that's, no. Did you have a good, did you move them one step? And it doesn't have to be in one day. It's about relationship. Relationship takes time. So just be normal. First, resistant. Someone that is adverse to hearing about anything considering or considering the, the good news specifically. And this usually happens uh, one or two for two, two reasons. Either they've been hurt in the past, the, the church, they were hurt in the church or somebody that claimed to be a Christian hurt them. Or, or there's, there's fear around this message, fear of giving up their control of their life, fear of, of surrendering their life. And then one step under there is someone receptive Someone open to hearing about this good news. Someone like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, not quite, I'm not there, but I'll, I'll listen. This is may, maybe a coworker at work or somebody that, that sees you and like, hey, I like you. I like spending time with you. I'm, I'm open to hearing about your life. And then you have people, people seeking. They realize that they are, are looking for a better way. They're miserable. They're miserable. Like, hey, I tried it my own way. I've tried this life. I've, I've tried it to do it my way, but it, it's not working. And then considering uh, uh, the same thing. of like, Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at all these different options, and now I'm really considering this really might be the best way. This really might work. 
And then you have understanding. And that's just un- coming to understand simple truths of the Bible. God, God does love me. And he's, he's not mad at me. He's not angry with me. And that there's nothing I can do to make him love me any less. And understanding that and, and moving closer to being ready. Ready to come to church. Ready to experience the good news. Ready to, to go a little further until their new life in Christ, until they make that decision, and they open their heart, and they open their life to Christ. And then it's about belonging, not just to a church, but uh, I found a belonging. I found uh, people that love me, uh, all different kinds of people that love me, and we come from all different different backgrounds, and all but, but we all belong together. And then you're growing, just growing in, in the good news, growing in your life, growing what, what God has to say about your life and your purpose in the Bible, and then serving. And we'll stop right here, and, and I, I am convinced that you will never reach or, or receive all that God has for you if you don't get to this point part in your life. How are you serving others? How are you serving your body? How are you the body of believers? How are you serving? How are you giving of yourself? Because when we talk about the image of God, that is, that is part of his character, serving, giving. And then we get to sharing. And sharing is literally sharing your life for the rest of your life with those in your life about the one who is life. That's what sharing is. So I, I hope that's helpful to you. It really helps me just kind of like, so even as you're going in and you're, you're around coworkers or family members or, or, um, or, or neighbors who, who, aren't, who aren't yet part of uh, or have not yet opened their lives to Christ. It kind of helps you just see, see where they are, feel them out, and then use words that they understand. It's just about being aware of how God is already working in people's lives and to move them one place to another on the scale. That's all you have to do. Also, pray. We can all agree that praying is important, right? Great. And we all know how to pray. Because it's just talking to God. So make a list of those coworkers or neighbors or family members and commit them to, to prayer. And some of the best ways to pray for people is to pray scripture over them. So I'm going to give you a couple to pray over them. Uh, John 6, 44, and these are paraphrased, but so just so you know, pray that the Father draws them to Jesus. That's what John says. He's like, the Father is drawing people unto himself. So pray that the Father would draw them to him. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. This verse literally says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, and they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So pray that those blinders come off, that they can see and experience the good news. Romans 8.15, pray that they come to know God relationally. This, is all, this verse is all about the spirit of sonship, spirit of daughtership, being a son or daughter of the Most High King. Let them know that he's a father, that he's close to them. He's not far off. He's not aloof. He's not a chess master. But he's close, and he wants to be close. And then Matthew 9, 38 is another great verse. to Pray, pray that believers will cross their paths and enter into positive relationship with them. But cool, cool believers, right? Like cool believers, like believers that get it. And I'm talking, and, and not, I'm talking about not mean. Like, don't be mean or critical, but 
people that actually want the best, that people that get it, that want the best for it, especially if this family member or that I'm going to pray this for family members that live really far away and I just can't be around them, but I can pray that others would surround them. And then lastly, Ephesians 1.17, pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. This verse is all about the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can know him better. People do not care what you know until they know you care. It's my favorite thing that John Maxwell ever said. People do not care what you know until they know you care. So a big part of this is, are you listening first? Are you listening to someone else's story first? Instead of just sharing who you are, you are and verbally vomiting on somebody, are you listening first? Hey man, we work together every day of the week. Can we go to lunch? I wanna hear your story. I wanna hear where you come from. I wanna hear how you think about things and, and why you think about things and how you came to those thoughts and, and perceptions and worldview. And they're probably nothing like mine. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Earn the right to share your story by being trustworthy and listening first. When Ashley and I lived in LA, uh, we, when we bought our, our home in the valley, the house right next door to us, which was like a mirror image of, of the house we bought, uh, was sold two weeks after we bought ours. Uh, and it was this, this group of, or this group, two, two brothers, <laughs> like a litter of brothers, a group. <laughs> two brothers. Uh, and they were these big, burly, really, really kind guys, like just big teddy bears and uh, great guys, great guys. And so we moved in and got settled, and then they moved in right after us. And uh, we just struck up a, a, a friendship. Uh, so trash day was Friday morning, which meant you had to, like, wheel out your reciprocal, receptacle, <laughs> trash can. You have to wheel it out the night before. And there's three. There's, like, a black one for your trash. There's a blue one for your recycling, and there's a green one for your yard stuff, because this is LA, and it's like, everything has to be separate. It's the same here, too. I mean, it's even a little more intense here. It's like cardboard and plastic, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> It'll get to where it's going. Don't tell my landlord. Anyway, so we started, um, taking out of trash and that's where that's how we met he was bringing his trash out I was bringing my trash out on the days that I did not forget and like woke up the next morning in a dead sweat and like threw clothes on and running out to beat the trash can truck the trash truck um that didn't happen very often it didn't happen it happens all the time <laughs> it was funny yeah just making sure I always had clothes on when I took my trash out anyway so we struck up a, a, a relationship because he was the one, like he was the responsible brother, so he always brought his, the, the trash out for his household and he made sure I knew that. He was like, oh, I'm bringing the trash out again. <laughs> and we just struck up this really, really great, easy friendship. And he was really into sports and, and I can hold my own in sports. I'm like, I'm not like totally in, but, and, cause we don't have cable, but I can like, I can hold my own. Um, and I'm from Texas, so it's kind of important that I know a little bit about sports in some way. 
and uh, he was also looking for a job at the time. And, and I'm not sure how it came up, but he, uh, he found out that we were pastors at a church in L.A. It's like, oh, that's cool. And we just let it go. And, and about a year passed, and summer came, and they started grilling out and inviting us over. And we started grilling out and inviting them over. And then one day, out of the blue, he's just like, hey, Cody, I have some questions about God. I'm seeking. Literally, self-identified himself. I, I, I'm seeking, and I have some questions. And he was really hung up on this, this whole concept of, like, why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? If God is good, then why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, we had a conversation like, hey, listen, I don't, I don't know why everything in the world happens the way it does, but I, I know that we live in a broken world. The world is broken at the moment, but I know, but we don't have a broken heavenly father. And he is drawing people back to himself and, and, and Jesus, and Jesus is the way to do that. And so he, he didn't make a decision for Christ right there. I didn't close him. And that's okay, because we had a relationship, we have a friendship, and we're still, we still text uh, occasionally today, and, and I'm praying for him, um, because that's what it's about. It's about their relationship. So if I could get the worship team back up. The greatest gift you can give to another human being is an introduction to the God who loves them. The greatest gift you could give, give to someone. Imagine what would happen if we all engaged in a world, in our world in this way. The stakes are hard. The stakes are high. This is a hard life. This is a hard city. And people are looking for the answer. And we have it. We have the answer. And his name is Jesus. That is our good news. And I don't know, and I don't know about you, but Jesus changed my life. Jesus changed me from the inside out. He transformed me and is transforming me. And that's the best news I have to give. Sharing our own stories, showing that we genuinely care about people, praying for them. Imagine if we did that for just one person every year. One person intentionally sharing our life, our story, praying for them. What would this city look like? What would it look like if the person you were praying for and sharing your life with came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, trusting in him, putting their faith in him, participating in the gospel story for themselves, and you had a part to play in changing their destiny? That's why we're here. That's our mission. Jesus took this stuck-up, spoiled white guy, and he called him his son, calls him his friend. He calls him his favorite. I'm God's favorite. But here's the thing. So are you. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He calls you friend. You're his favorite. And that is very, very good news. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Church Podcast. If you are in New York City or will be visiting the New York area soon, please be our guest on Sunday. For service times and locations, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.